Uh, thank you for coming on BSAM um, 1040, speaking with us today about bankruptcy. Um, would you like to introduce uh, yourself and talk a little bit about what you do? Sure, and thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, my name is John Winneas. I'm the founder of Winneas Law, where we practice bankruptcy law. Um, we serve the Chicagoland area. I have seven years of experience in, I actually just came from uh, one of the biggest bankruptcy firms in Chicago where I handled thousands of cases, uh, chapter 13s and chapter 7s, and I decided to go off on my own to give bankruptcy clients a more personalized experience where um, I would be handling their case from start to finish and they can contact me 24-7, um, and so far it's been a great experience for me. My name is Taylor Kasla. I'm a partner at Agris Law Firm. We handle consumer rights and personal injury cases. Hi, uh, my name is Mike Agris, um, and uh, Taylor and I are partners, uh, Agris Law Firm. And as Taylor mentioned, we do consumer rights and personal injury. Okay. Um, yeah, we do. John Wones, la luxo lam ye pasang, andalam ye experience la bainam. Um, Taylor, yeah, Micah Day, la looks so Agris Law Firm, yeah, làm về vấn đề tai nạn và personal injury. All right, so I guess we can get into our Q and A session today. Um, so first question is, what does it mean to file for Chapter Seven bankruptcy? Um, well, first of all, first of all, most people who call me and have bankruptcy questions, they initially want to do a Chapter Seven case. Uh, a Chapter 7 case is the case where you're in it for four to six months and you're not repaying any creditors back. Uh, at the end of the case, you get a discharge of most of your debt. Um, the problem with the Chapter 7 case is it's also called the liquidation chapter, which means if you have assets that are not exempt, the trustee can come and take those assets, liquidate them, sell them, and use the proceeds to pay off creditors. The other part of a Chapter 7 case um, is, is there is a requirement that you make a certain amount of money. Uh, if you are over a certain threshold, it's called the means test, you don't qualify for a Chapter 7 case. Um, but other than that, a Chapter 7 case will help uh, with a lot of types of debts, certainly credit card debt, payday loans, medical bills, unsecured debt. Unsecured debt is when it's um, debt that's not tied to property. So something um, not like a car or a house. You mentioned uh, assets that are exempt and not exempt. Can you give us some examples of assets that are and are not exempt? Sure. So the easy one is um, having a bank account with money in it. If you have a bank account with, with $4,000 or more, we cannot exempt all that out. So let's say you have a uh, bank account with $10,000. The trustee can come in and, and take $6,000 of that and use it to pay off creditors. Another example is, is a house. If, a house is um, fully owned, you, there's no mortgage, no lien on it. Trustee can actually come in and, and sell that house and use the proceeds to pay off creditors. Can you explain what a trustee is so I can... Oh, of course, it? I apologize for that. No, you're good. Trustee is kind of like the middleman in, in the case. They, they are the ones who will look at a case, see if there is anything to take and, and pay off creditors. They don't necessarily uh, represent the creditors, Okay. Um, that's why I said they're kind of like in the middle where they will try and look for stuff to pay creditors who aren't active in the case. Okay. And you were saying that um, accounts of $4,000 or more in a bank account is not exempt. Um, what else were you saying that wasn't? Um, assets like a house. 
So if you own a house and there's no lien on it, so there's equity in the house, the trustee, if there's enough equity in that house, can actually come and take the house, sell it, and then use proceeds to pay off creditors. Okay. And then you said that usually at the end of the Chapter 7 bankruptcy, they're, um, they're not repaying? Yeah. So nine times out of ten, a Chapter 7 case is pretty straightforward where a client is not actually paying any creditors any money. Okay. The only time a creditor gets money in a Chapter 7 case is if the trustee comes in and sells something. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, thưa quý vị, thường thường um, khi mà người ta tới với uh, luật sư uh, nộp đơn phá sản thì thường thường là mình sẽ file là Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Um, thường thường là cái case này là từ 4 tới 6 tháng và mình sẽ không phải mình không có trả tiền um, cho creditor ngoài trừ khi um, you said, I'm so sorry, I apologize. Um, you said, unless the uh, trustee comes in and sell off assets, right? Correct. Okay. Ngoài trừ khi người chính giữa là trustee um, tới và, và bán đi tài sản của mình. All right. Um, you want to move on to the second question? Sure. So I, before we get on uh, Chapter 13 uh, bankruptcies, I, I think the viewers um, would probably want to know, my understanding, and we do, although we do, Taylor and I do consumer rights, we do a lot, uh, our, our practice and your practice probably has tons of overlap as far as people come, they're struggling with that, and they, they want help. Um, in a Chapter 7, essentially, it gives someone an opportunity to just start over, start fresh, right? Clean slate? Correct. That, that's the goal of any bankruptcy is get rid of all the debt or, or, or most of the debt, and then once you're out of bankruptcy, you don't have debt anymore. Got it. And then um, I also think it'd be important to explain to the viewers, I, th I think a lot of people, and I've learned this over the years, they almost use bankruptcy as like a knee-jerk reaction where it's like, oh, I'll just file bankruptcy. And I think some of the things you were touching on, which would be helpful to talk about, is you actually have to qualify. Correct. Like, in other words, you, people, oh, I've got a $10,000 medical bill, I'm going to file bankruptcy, right? It's, you can't always, can't always do it, Correct. right? And, and then also the not all debt, like my student loans or taxes, things like that. So could you sort of explain that to the viewers as right. well? Right, and that's why I started off by saying, everyone calls me saying I want to file a Chapter 7. Totally. But there are obvious restrictions to that. Um, someone making $200,000, $300,000 a year can't file a Chapter 7 because that just wouldn't be fair. Their creditors should get paid. Um, so um, back to your question again. It's, you have to qualify, right? Correct. It's not just something where you can say, hey, this is what I want to do. I've got a lot of debt. Right. Okay. Exactly. And like you said, certain debts like student loans, which may change in the future, cannot be wiped out. Uh, a lot of uh, debt owed to the government cannot be wiped out. So there are some types of debt that, that a Chapter 7 cannot actually wipe out. Okay. Those are exempt. Correct. From bankruptcy. So what are some of the qualifications or some of the cases where you would recommend them to file uh, a Chapter 7? Um, if someone has a lot of credit card debt, okay. if someone has a lot of medical bills, um, payday loans, never take out a payday loan, but you know, unfortunately people fall into hard times and they take out payday loans. Um, those are the three most common types of debt I see um, that, that make a person really want to file bankruptcy and where it's really beneficial to do so. 
Okay. Um, let me just go ahead and translate a little bit here. So, thường thường mình sẽ file chapter 7 um, phát sản. Nếu như mình có nhiều um, nợ credit card, uh, nợ medical bill, nhưng nếu mà mình, uh, cái income mình cao quá, thì mình sẽ không qualify để uh, file phát sản chapter 7. Um, và có những nợ mình cũng không có thể file phá sản uh, giống như là nợ student loans um, của học sinh. Um, yeah. All right. So let's move on then to uh, chapter 13. Can you tell us a little bit about a 13 and when someone would uh, qualify and how is that different than a 7? Sure. So unlike a chapter 7 where, like I said, you're not paying creditors back every month, a 13, you're in it for three to five years and you're repaying creditors back every single month. Um, how much you're paying every month depends on how much money you're making, how much debt you have to pay back, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, the two main reasons I see people follow Chapter 13 are um, people who have a car repossessed and want to keep their cars. Because in a Chapter 13, you get to keep all of your assets, unlike the Chapter 7 case, and you can get your car back, and you have to pay back that car inside the case. Another reason is um, people who are about to lose their house. So if the bank comes in and is um, trying to foreclose on their property because they are behind on their mortgage arrears, um, they can put those mortgage arrears inside the bankruptcy case, inside the Chapter 13 case, and you're going to repay those arrears while you're in the case and save your house. Got it. So it's almost like uh, a debt settlement or debt consolidation where maybe you have couple hundred grand in debt and you're basically paying back the creditors um, a lesser amount spread out over three to five years? Correct. Okay. And then at the end of those three to five years, the, again, the consumer should be debt free at that point? Exactly. And that's always the goal. Um, another thing is, unlike the Chapter 7 case when you can't wipe out certain tax debt or even student loans, in a 13, you can include that type of debt. Um, I also see a lot of cases uh, where people have a lot of parking ticket debt. Unfortunately, in, in the city of Chicago, yeah. people can rack up a lot of parking ticket debt, and the city will actually come take your car. In a 13 case, you can repay that credit or that parking ticket debt inside the case, get your car back, and then once you're out of bankruptcy, you won't have any debt anymore. Okay, so just to summarize a little bit here, um, usually for Chapter 13, you said they're in it to, from three to five years. Um, basically, debt consolidation, where you can include student loan, parking ticket, um, car repossession, or behind on their mortgage. Correct. Uh, let me backtrack. Yeah. You can't discharge student loans in Chapter 13, Okay. but you can repay some of it back in the 13 case. Okay, repay some of it back. I got you. All right, so we be um, chapter 13, khi mình um, file phá sản là mình sẽ trả lại um, cái số tiền nợ của mình nhưng mà ít hơn thì là từ 3 tới 5 năm và mình sẽ trả mỗi tháng um, tùy cái income của mình và cái case mà um, mình file phá sản thấy nhiều nhất ở chapter 13 là khi mà mình um, mình không có trả tiền nhà hoặc là mình um, behind on mortgage um, hoặc là chiếc xe của mình bị repossessed hoặc là mình không có trả uh, nợ của chiếc xe um, nhưng mà trong chapter 13 thì mình cũng có thể trả lại cái số tiền nợ của học sinh um, và những cái nợ parking ticket của thành phố 
thì trong vòng 3 tới năm đó mình sẽ trả mỗi tháng cái số tiền ít hơn rồi cuối cùng thì mình sẽ không còn nợ nữa. Yeah. All right. My next question for you is how can filing for bankruptcy help a consumer rebuild their credit? Um, so when you initially file for bankruptcy your credit might take a little bit of a hit. But like we've been saying once you're out of bankruptcy you're going to get a fresh start. So once you're out of bankruptcy um, your credit score itself will start to increase. Normally I see within a year at least. Um, while you're actually in bankruptcy, you can also do things to, re to rebuild your credit. You can get a secured credit card. Um, you, can, you can get a car. Um, just make sure, I tell my clients, just make sure that if they do get a credit card that they're paying the full amount every month, not, not just the minimum. Because you don't want to get into a situation where five years down the road, you, you want to file bankruptcy again because you're unable to make those full payments and you're only making those minimum payments again. And then how does it that just filing for bankruptcy increases the credit? Is, is there just like an understanding that when someone files for bankruptcy that the debts are going to be discharged, a lot of them on the credit report? Yeah, so a after the case is over with and the discharge or order is entered, that's when they should start, the creditors start, start reporting to the credit bureaus that that debt is, is gone. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So just to recap here, once you um, file for bankruptcy, your credit will take an initial hit. You said that once all the filings are done, um, they can start rebuilding their credit by um, getting a secure credit card and uh, paying it in full. Are there any other ways to start rebuilding their credit or... Um, yeah, and I think Taylor might have some suggestions too on rebuilding credit, but... Yes, you brought up a good point. After filing, you know, you don't want to incur more debt, but if you can open up a credit card or some sort of line of credit, get a car loan, um, and are paying it in full, you're just taking proactive steps to build credit while the bankruptcy is pending. Okay, and do you know, like, kind of the duration of how long it takes to rebuild your credit to... A, a decent level. It, every single case is different. Okay. Yeah, that's and, a million dollar yeah, question. Yeah. No, nobody knows. The credit bureaus don't even know that answer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thưa quý vị, câu hỏi là um, khi mà mình uh, nộp đơn phá sản thì mình có thể làm gì để giúp lại, uh, build lại cái credit của mình? Thì câu trả lời là sẽ, khi mình nộp uh, đơn phá sản thì uh, cái credit của mình sẽ bị rớt xuống một chút xíu. Um, sau khi mọi thứ đã xong thì mình có thể bắt đầu build lại credit bằng cách là um, apply for một, một cái thẻ tín dụng nhưng mà mỗi tháng mình sẽ trả hết cái số tiền đó chứ không phải là chạy chỉ trả minimum không thì uh, mỗi case nó sẽ khác nhau uh, để mình build lại credit thì không có một cách gì để không có không có một specific cách để mình build credit lại uh, nhưng mà từ từ mình có thể là um, mua một chiếc xe rồi trả mỗi tháng hoặc là mua uh, trả cái thẻ tín dụng của mình mỗi tháng in full. Alright. Um, so my question is, uh, how does filing for bankruptcy help a consumer who is harassed by uh, debt collectors? Um, well, the second you file a bankruptcy case, any action by a creditor to collect on debt has to stop immediately. It's called the automatic stay. Um, therefore, if, if someone files bankruptcy today, a creditor cannot call that person the next day or, or even the day of. Okay. Um, that, that creditor cannot take any action, including repossessing a vehicle or suspending a license. Any, a any act to collect on the debt is prohibited. 
Okay. And how would they in inform them? Um, That's a good, good question. So the once you file a bankruptcy case, they will send notice, the bankruptcy courts will send notice to all creditors, but that might take some time. So if there is a creditor who is suing you and is about to garnish your wages um, or about to repossess your car, you would want to notify them immediately. And um, that's something I do for my clients. If they want me to, I will call them up, send them over the notice of filing immediately so they know it. Okay. Um, dạ quý vị, câu hỏi là um, làm sao mà uh, nộp đơn phá sản có thể giúp mình với những người đòi nợ? Thì um, câu trả lời của luật sư là khi mà mình nộp đơn phá sản, sau khi mà mình đã nộp đơn thì những người đòi nợ không có quyền um, gọi hoặc là um, uh, you said that as soon as you file the um, file bankruptcy they don't have the right to like um, give you calls repossess your car um, correct okay correct. gotcha um, sau khi đó thì những người đòi nợ không có quyền là gọi mình hoặc là um, lấy lại chiếc xe um, nếu mà mình cần phải notify thì luật sư cũng có thể làm, luật sư có thể gọi những người đòi nợ và báo cho họ biết là mình đã nộp đơn phá sản và họ phải uh, ngưng liên lạc mình. Alright. So what should a consumer do um, if a creditor or debt collector continues to contact them after you file bankruptcy on their behalf? So if it's right after the case is filed, they can't do it, right? But you can't, if you if you go to the judge and you file a motion to sanction them, the judge isn't likely to sanction them. So what, what should happen is they should tell them immediately, listen, I filed bankruptcy, here's my case number, here's my attorney's information, don't call me again. Then if it ha happens a second time, that's when you can go to court and sanction them and ask the judge to actually penalize them and make them pay your client, the debtor, money for doing that. Does that happen often in your practice where your clients are still getting harassed by creditors and collectors after a bankruptcy is filed? Initially, yes. So right after the case is filed, yes, they, they, they will still be getting those calls. But from my experience, once they do inform them that, that they are in a bankruptcy case and they give them the case number, it stops. I had had situations where it doesn't stop and that's when you know we, we go to, in front of the judge and, and tell the judge about it. And is, is there a gap between the filing and when creditors are put on notice? Is that partially why? Yeah, like I said, because you know the, the bankruptcy courts actually send send notice out via mail, which could take up to five to seven days for them to actually receive it. Um, so if, if there is, like I said, something imminent happening where a creditor is about to do something to you, that's when I say, all right, we got to get them notice right away. Dạ quý vị câu hỏi là mình nên làm gì nếu người đòi nợ hoặc chủ nợ tiếp tục liên lạc mình sau khi uh, mình đã khai phá sản thì um, lần đầu tiên um, thì là mình có thể nói là đưa số phone của luật sư và để cho họ biết là mình đã phá phá sản rồi và không liên lạc mình nữa nếu họ tiếp tục liên lạc mình thì mình có thể đến tòa um, và uh, có judge để người ta là không liên lạc mình nữa um, thường thường sau khi mình nộp đơn phát sản người ta sẽ gửi cái notice cho những người đòi nợ bằng mail có thể từ 5 tới 7 ngày người ta mới nhận được nên nếu những người đòi nợ đang sắp làm gì mà um, trong vòng 5 tới 7 ngày đó giống như là lấy chiếc xe lại hoặc là um, sắp lấy uh, garnish wage có nghĩa là lấy tiền lương từ cha của mình 
thì có thể liên lạc luật sư và họ sẽ um, liên lạc với những người đòi nợ và báo cho họ biết là mình đã nợ phá sản rồi. Alright. How much does it cost for a consumer to file for bankruptcy? Um, it, it really depends on the type of bankruptcy they're filing. Uh, but for my firm, we typically do $350 to file the case, which covers court costs. Um, after the case is filed, the attorney fees get paid, though. So in a Chapter 13 case, um, the standard fee in this district is, is $4,500. And that's paid throughout the life of the 13 case. Um, in Chapter 7 case, the, the, my fees range from $1,500 to $2,000. Um, and I'm very flexible with my clients on when they pay it back, how often they want to pay it, and how much. Is that standard, the 1500 to 2000 It's standard. All right, so you're saying to file um, either a Chapter 7 or a Chapter 13, the initial fee is 350 and then after that, in Chapter 7, um, uh, lawyer fees are about 1500 to 2000 Chapter 7, 13 is about 4500 and you're saying it's paid throughout the course of filing process. Right. Okay. Yeah, quý vị, um, câu hỏi là chi phí nộp um, đơn phá sản là bao nhiêu? Thì luật sư trả lời là uh, chapter 7 và chapter 13, cái phí đầu tiên là 350 để nộp. Sau khi đó, chi phí của luật sư um, của chapter 7 là từ 1,500 cho tới 2,000. Um, và chapter 13 là khoảng chừng um, 4,500. Thì mình có thể... Um, nói chuyện với luật sư và điều với nhau um, để là xem là quý vị có thể trả bao nhiêu um, trong cái process mà mình uh, nộp đơn phá sản. Ok. It's time for a break. Ok. Um, dạ, quý vị, uh, con xin quý vị đi để mình uh, dạ quảng cáo. Kính chào quý vị. Tổ hợp luật sư Arad là một tổ hợp luật sư có trên 1.000 đánh giá năm sao. Tổ hợp luật sư có rất nhiều luật sư kinh nghiệm chuyên lo về nhiều lĩnh vực khác nhau. Trong đó, chúng tôi có luật sư chuyên lo về thương tích gây ra bởi tai nạn xe cộ, bị thương tích tại nơi làm việc hoặc trong siêu thị, người thân bị ngược đại trong nhà dưỡng lão, sơ xuất trong y khoa hoặc thương tích bị thối nuôi tấn công, các vấn đề quấy rối đòi nợ, vấn đề bị sai sót trong điểm báo cáo tín dụng của quý vị. Bên cạnh đó, chúng tôi còn có luật sư chuyên lo về các vấn đề hình sự, phạm pháp, DUI, lái xe bị phạm tích kịch. Luật sư chuyên về gia đình, lý dị, công chứng, di sản, thừa kế tài sản, thiết lập di chúc. Luật sư về mua bán nhà cửa hoặc mua bán tiền neo, mua bán cơ sở thương mại, tranh chấp kiểm tụng cơ sở thương mại. Luật sư về khai phá sản sẽ giúp quý vị nếu quý vị không còn khả năng trả nợ và muốn làm lại từ đầu luật sư về di trú bảo lãnh thân nhân sang mỹ du lịch du học eb3 eb5 và các vấn đề thẻ xanh thi quốc tịch nếu quý vị cần giúp đỡ xin vui lòng liên lạc quý ngọc số điện thoại là 773 906 9999 773 906 9999 xin chân thành cảm ơn quý vị My name is Taylor Kasla. I'm a partner at Agris Law Firm. I started in August 2017, and after three years of practicing, I was named partner in February 2021. 
Personal injury clients come to our office in a time of need and sometimes desperation. Something devastating happened to them. We can provide clients with peace of mind by ensuring them that we are here to help. We are in this together and we will take care of them. We are a fast-acting law firm. We are responsive to our clients and maintain open lines of communication. Our sense of urgency is part of what makes us different from other law firms. We put people first and we make sure we get our clients the compensation they deserve. Our consumer rights practice is a national practice, so we can help people from the East Coast to the West Coast. There are laws in place to protect consumers, and not everyone knows these rights exist. And certainly not everyone knows or even believes that our clients never pay us a penny. Several consumer rights statutes contain a fee shift provision, which means that if we prevail, the defendant must pay our attorney's fees and costs. Our consumer clients appreciate the work that we do and that makes my job rewarding. What I like most about plaintiff's work is getting to know our clients, understanding the facts of what happened and how the occurrence affected our client. As an attorney, we are given a set of facts and it is our job to create a timeline and story of events. We must put ourselves in the shoes of our client whether that be at the scene of the accident or months after at home learning how to adapt to a disability. Having had a family member sustain a life-altering injury, I can relate with my clients and their family members and this fuels my passion for what we do, putting people first. My favorite animal is a dog. The app I use most is Apple News. It's hard to say what my favorite food is because it depends on what I have a taste for but generally, I like steak and seafood. I love to travel, and Florida is one of my favorite places to escape to because you can go to the beach, play golf, and eat at great restaurants. I like my weekends like I like my weekdays, which is busy. I like being outside, whether that's going for a run along the lake, golfing, or skiing. I spend time with family members and friends. I love having people over to cook for and to try new recipes with. Since I was born, I knew I would be a lawyer or doctor. I learned early on that I did not care for science, which made it easy for me to pursue a career in the law. My job is perfect for someone with a passion for the law and medicine because these two areas coincide with personal injury and medical malpractice cases. I enjoy reading John Gershom books and have acquired quite a collection over the years. I'm always up for watching a new movie, but generally I enjoy the classics like Goodfellas and Father of the Bride. At Agris Law Firm, we are a hardworking team of people who are determined to maximize results for our clients. Each member of our firm plays an important role in the success of our practice. Our focus is to ensure that we are available to communicate with our clients and to ensure they have the representation they need. We are dedicated to putting the needs of our client first above all. Kính chào quý vị quay lại với chương trình BSAM 1040 nói về lập đơn phát sản. Thì câu hỏi tiếp theo là 
Can you tell me about credit report issues that you see most common with your clients? Sure. So a lot of issues I see actually occur after the case is over with. I see a lot of times that the debt is discharged, but the creditors are not reporting that to the credit bureaus. Um, and then sometimes I see before a, a case is filed, I see a lot of accounts that should be marked closed but are, are still marked as open. And I'm, I'm sure you guys have a lot of issues that you see too. And that's where we come into play. Yeah. Uh, we help consumers disputing that inaccurate information on their credit report and we send dispute letters to the bureaus and if the inaccuracies aren't fixed, if they're not reporting that discharge or account status properly, we file suit against the bureaus and whoever's furnishing that information. We're able to do that under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, which is federal law. It applies to everyone. And the great part about that law is there's a fee shift provision. So the clients don't owe us a penny to represent them, and we always get their credit report corrected and accurate. How often do you see them fix that issue right away? With an initial dispute, I'd say 25% of the time, tops. Yeah, I think that might be generous, but even no matter how many times they fix it or not, um, what's great about it is the moment we sue them, then it gets fixed. Yes. So we always, and we don't do bankruptcy, but we have tons of overlap, like I said at right. the beginning with our clients. So it's either fixed or you get paid. Uh, Your clients get paid, right? I mean, it's interesting. It's either fixed or it's fixed after we sue. Okay. So no matter what, it gets fixed. Okay. And this is something where, um, you know, when we're talking to people who um, have been involved in bankruptcy, we always tell them, you know, once the discharge is done and you've got your clean slate, like a lot of times people think like, oh, great, this is all over. And I always say like, hey, that's just the beginning. Right. Pull your credit report because the idea is to get a clean slate and then start off you know, increasing your credit score and making sure it's, you know, accurate and, you know, setting yourself up for better credit in the future. Right. And we see that all the time, just like what you described, where, you know, debt's discharged in bankruptcy and it's not updated on someone's credit report. And it may seem minor, but, uh, you know, everything's important in a credit report. So. And a lot of times the, the companies change, right? I mean, yeah. these collection agencies change left and right. So sometimes it's because the original creditor is not the same creditor at the end of the case. And is that what you see happen sometimes? Is that, and that's why they didn't um, mark it as being discharged debt or? Yeah, we'll see that. I, I see that oftentimes with uh, judgments, which I find really interesting because you'll have, you know, a high volume firm that's just suing, getting judgments right and left. And then years down the road, they may not be in business. Like, for example, there was someone who just reached out to us. And um, I lived and practiced out in California. And there was a big uh, collection firm out there called Man Bracken. And I don't think it exists anymore. But if they sued and got a judgment and they're on your credit report, it's like, how do you go about fixing that? Right. So yeah, I think that happens as well. Um, where names change and you can't figure out who's got the judgment. But I always tell people in bankruptcies, once you get that discharge, look at your credit report and go line by line because every single entry is important. Right. All right. So just to summarize, one of the most common things you see about credit report issues is that debtors or collectors are not reporting to the credit bureau. Um, that's where you guys come in and um, do you initially um, ask them to you know, correct the report, and then if they don't, then we're going to court and suing, or 
Um, yes, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, a consumer actually has to initiate a dispute, okay. so they need to tell the bureaus, this is inaccurate and this is why. Okay. Then the bureaus conduct an investigation, and it's really the result of that investigation determines whether there's going to be a lawsuit or not, because if they continue to report the inaccurate information, then there's a case and we can file suit. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, quý vị câu hỏi là um, các vấn đề báo cáo tín dụng mà luật sư thấy nhiều nhất với khách hàng của mình là gì? Thì uh, vấn đề là những người đòi nợ hoặc là collector họ sẽ không báo cáo là mình đã um, file phá sản và cái đó sẽ vẫn nằm ở trên cái uh, báo cáo tín dụng của mình. Thì sau khi mình nộp đơn phá sản mình nên coi lại cái uh, cái uh, uh, file và check với um, cái credit report của mình, báo cáo tín dụng của mình coi là họ có lấy cái số nợ đó off chưa thì nếu không mình có thể báo cáo với um, credit bureau và nói là những người đòi nợ và collector họ đã không có lấy cái khoản tiền đó ra khỏi cái báo cáo tín dụng của mình và nếu họ không lấy ra khỏi cái credit report của mình thì mình có thể nói chuyện với uh, luật sư uh, giống như là Taylor and Mike ở đây và mình sẽ có thể xua những người đòi nợ và collector đó um, để họ lấy cái record ra khỏi cái credit report của mình. Alright. So if a consumer is considering bankruptcy and considering contacting a bankruptcy attorney, are there any steps they should take beforehand before they reach out to you, whether it's, you know, it's a last ditch effort before contacting you or if they've decided, hey, I think this is something that I do want to do, what steps should they take before they contact you? Sure. Well, I would first say they should pull a credit report, get an understanding of, of what kind of debt they have, how much debt they have, what's showing up on a credit report. There's a lot of free web, or websites that provide free credit reports out there. Um, and, if, and if the debt is minimal, if they don't have a ton of debt, try contacting the creditor directly. Say, hey, I, I can't afford to pay you this much. Will you settle for this? Um, and, and if they won't settle, then contact the bankruptcy attorney, contact me and we'll go through all the, all the options. Is there a website you like in particular for getting uh, credit reports? I think Taylor Taylor has a few, don't you? Yeah, we recommend clients use annualcreditreport.com. Okay. Under federal law, you are entitled to a free copy of your credit report every 12 months. But because of the pandemic, I know they were offering it more frequently. Do you recall how often you could get it for free? You know, the, um, It's certainly more often than once a year. I can't remember exactly how much uh, or how often you can pull it, but I know that um, annual credit report is allowing people to pull their credit more often than you know once a year. And even so, I'm sure you have access to programs where you can pull credit. You know, we, we do the same thing for mm -hmm. people. So it's important to know that there's a free site you can go to, but even if you, know, you have an issue, um, bankruptcy attorneys, consumer right attorneys can also pull credit. Okay. Um, dạ quý vị câu hỏi là um, người tiêu dùng nên thực hiện những bước nào trước khi liên hệ với luật sư phá sản thì câu trả lời của luật sư là mình đầu tiên nên coi cái credit report của mình có nghĩa là cái um, um, báo cáo tín dụng thì khi mình có cái credit report mình coi là mình nợ bao nhiêu tiền nếu cái số tiền đó không lớn quá thì mình nên liên lạc Um, người collector hoặc là những người đòi nợ để coi họ sẽ có thể settle với một cái um, số tiền mình trả ít hơn hay không. Nếu không được thì mình uh, nên liên lạc với luật sư và họ có thể um, coi cái báo cáo tín dụng của mình luôn. Um, họ recommend là mình lên annualcreditreport.com 
uh, để chắc cái uh, báo cáo tín dụng của mình uh, cái này là free và một năm mình được um, check cái credit của mình là một lần nhưng mà với covid thì mình có thể check nhiều lần hơn thì nên check với luật sư và online để mình có thể um, kéo cái uh, báo cáo tín dụng của mình và check credit report trước khi mình nói chuyện với luật sư về um, uh, nợ phá sản So for consumers who are falling behind on their bills, maybe have significant medical or credit card debt, at what point should they really consider filing for bankruptcy? Well, they should definitely consider filing if they're getting sued. So if, if someone's trying to sue them for that type of debt, they should definitely consider filing bankruptcy because once you file bankruptcy, they, they have to stop that lawsuit and drop it. Um, if if they're behind on a car note, like I discussed earlier, and, and they're going to come take their car, you should file bankruptcy and, and stop that from happening. And is your um, thought as far of a lawsuit to file a bankruptcy before there's like a judgment against them, like the garnishment starts? Yeah, it, it's ideally it would be right when they file a lawsuit. But even if there is a judgment, it, it, as long as they're, um, they didn't go through the process of, of garnishing their wages yet, that's fine. And even if they are garnishing their wages, they can file bankruptcy and stop that. You got that to stop. All right. So in summary, um, you said, you know, when should a consumer consider filing for bankruptcy? You're saying when they're getting sued for that debt or they're garnishing wages, um, repossessing cars, um, and, you know, when they're taking action um, towards Right. And, and even if they're just constantly getting harassing calls from creditors and they just can't take it anymore, um, you know, if, if their license is suspended for parking tickets or red light tickets, they, they should consider filing bankruptcy. Um, if, if their tax refunds are, are getting taken from creditors, they should consider filing bankruptcy. Okay, sounds good. Dạ, quý vị câu hỏi là khi nào mình nên nộp đơn phá sản? Thì câu trả lời của luật sư là khi mà um, những người đòi nợ hoặc là collector họ sue mình hoặc là họ tới lấy xe của mình hoặc là họ lấy số tiền um, từ cái paycheck của mình ra thì mình nên um, nói chuyện với luật sư và consider uh, nợ phá sản hoặc là nếu quý vị có những người um, đòi nợ mà họ cứ gọi mình hoài hoặc quấy rối um, số phone mình và và họ um, I apologize. Um, yeah, họ không ngưng thì mình nên nói với luật sư và yeah, consider uh, nộp đơn phá sản. Um, so, does a consumer need to meet you in person or go to court for his or her bankruptcy case? So, I started my practice during the pandemic, actually, and I was initially meeting clients in person. And, you know, after about a few meetings, I realized I should just do this over Zoom. It's, it's safer. And my clients actually liked it a lot more. So, um, so now I've been doing everything virtually. Unless my client wants to meet me in person, I can go to the office and meet them in person. Um, as far as court goes, uh, they're still doing everything over Zoom. So there are no in-person uh, court hearings yet. Uh, that might change soon. But I, I found it, it's been very easy for not only myself, but also my clients. Yeah, is it a standard practice these days for you know bankruptcy lawyers to contact most of their clients over Zoom or phone call? Yeah, yeah it is. And um, I found it kind of strange. I heard the other day some firms are actually not doing Zoom. They'll just do everything over the phone. Okay. But personally, myself, I like to actually meet my clients.
client over Zoom, face to face, at least there's some kind of you know, personalized touch to that to see who you're dealing with. Um, and there's a trust, a trust factor too that my clients trust me more if they actually can see me. Okay. Yeah. Are they also doing, um, so you meet with clients over Zoom, uh, court proceedings are over Zoom. I know um, uh, a little bit about bankruptcy where uh, in a chapter seven, there's the 341 hearing mm -hmm. where creditors meeting, is everything start to finish over Zoom? Everything is over Zoom now. Okay. Which, I mean, that's gotta be much more efficient. Oh, ex well, I was waiting two hours for a 341 meeting <laughs> the other day. And the problem is some of these trustees are, are a little older and not tech savvy. Yeah. So I think they were having issues with, with connecting people to the Zoom, which, but I, I'd still take that over driving to the courthouse to have these meetings, which could take an hour to even get there. I mean, yeah. Do you think it'll eventually go back to in person? I, I don't think the trustee meetings will. I really don't. Okay. And, and I know a lot of bankruptcy judges really like this, the Zoom hearings too. Um, now, for other areas of law, when you have actual trials, I, I think obviously those will, will go back to in person if they haven't already. Right. I think, uh, um, and I'm sure there's plenty of times in bankruptcies where things are contested, mm -hmm. but I feel like in an uncontested case and things are pretty straightforward for a bankruptcy case, to me it just seems much more efficient. Like in our practice too, like uh, state court personal injury cases or when we're in federal court on a consumer rights case, if it's just routine and it's a status conference, a case management, um, and nothing's contested, it saves so much time and money exactly. to just do yeah. things over Zoom. Your Honor, can I get a date? Yeah. Thank you. And that's it. But, you know. Exactly. I, pre I lived out in uh, L.A. and practiced out there from 2008 to 2011, and they were way ahead of the curve with court call. Um, and it was incredible because um, if you're state licensed in California and you're practicing in state court, there's a bazillion counties to practice in. And to think about you know having to travel to a county for a case management conference. And so, even back in two thousand eight, we had court call, and if it was something, they would even have contested motions over the phone. But the idea is, you call in, you put it on hold, and put it on mute. You can go do other work, right. and then when your case is called, you just handle it over the phone. Right. So, I think it's so much more efficient. I agree. I'm, I'm Absolutely. A, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of it. So. I just have a couple questions about regarding Zoom and phone calls. So throughout the entire process, you know, how, about how much time would they have to spend meeting with you over Zoom, and how long do these, um, you know, uh, court meetings also take up? Right. So um, in terms of coming in to file bankruptcy with me, um, filling out the paperwork and doing everything takes about an hour. Okay. Um, and then in terms of court, it really depends. Like I said, I was waiting two hours the other day for a court hearing, yeah. but the actual meeting itself lasted five minutes. Okay. Um, and as long as there's nothing contested, there, there shouldn't be any other court hearings, so. Okay, sounds good. Let me just translate here. Um, yeah, quý vị câu hỏi là những người tiêu dùng có cần gặp um, luật sư trực tiếp hoặc ra tòa hay không? Thì câu trả lời bây giờ với um, trường hợp của COVID, thì mỗi cái uh, meeting và gặp mặt với luật sư là đang ở trên Zoom và khi ra tòa là tòa cũng đang làm Zoom thì có thể xếp mình thời gian luật sư trả lời là một cái meeting hoặc sự gặp mặt với luật sư để file phá sản khoảng chừng một tiếng rồi tòa thì có thể là lâu hơn nhưng mà là tùy trường hợp dạ yeah.
So um, while we're talking about clients meeting uh, with you over Zoom, um, once they've scheduled that meeting, the initial consultation, um, and if you could share some advice to the viewers watching the show, what do you recommend that people do to prepare for that first meeting with you? What documents should they bring? Uh, you had mentioned before pulling a credit report. Mm -hmm. What else can they do to make that consultation as efficient as possible? Right, so to file bankruptcy, you need copies of your pay stubs and your tax returns. Um, in terms of the credit report, I, I pull credit reports for all my clients. Um, so if, if that first meeting with me, to make it most efficient, if they could have their pay stubs with them for the past four months and then their tax returns for the past four years, uh, a lot of clients have trouble getting those tax returns, especially the older ones. I can request them from the IRS, but unfortunately the IRS takes months to actually send me those tax returns. Um, but those are the two documents that are needed to file bankruptcy and will also make the, the whole meeting go by faster. How do you get previous tax returns if you, how do you order the past four years? Well, you, <laughs> you sign a form, a power of attorney, yeah. then you fax it, because for some reason you can't just email it to them, you have to fax it to the IRS. Okay. Then even, especially like during tax season, then you, you, you call them every week and you're saying, hey, what's going on? Did you get the power of attorney? And say, yeah, we got it, but you know we're, we're still processing it. And then um, if you call them enough, they'll get it to you a little sooner. But you, you, you know when you do call them, you're on hold for a couple hours. Are you able to retrieve those credit reports? I'm, I'm sorry, for your tax returns from like accounts that file your taxes, or is that something that can only be retrieved through IRS? Um, so clients can retrieve tax returns from their accountants. Okay, they can go directly to their account if they did it through an accountant. Um, a lot of times, though, these accounts move or they're nowhere to be found. So, you know, and, and if you, you don't have a hard copy of your own tax returns, it's kind of hard to find. So, okay. Yeah. Uh, let me just translate here. Um, so, câu hỏi là bạn cần mang gì um, cho cuộc họp đầu tiên với luật sư để nộp phá sản? Thì uh, luật sư trả lời là mình nên có cái uh, tax return trong vòng 4 năm, um, khai thuế của mình trong vòng 4 năm và pay stub trong vòng 4 tháng có nghĩa là um, pay check của mình uh, là check của lương và nếu có thể là credit report luôn nếu mình không có um, cái khai thuế của mình trong vòng 4 năm thì mình có thể liên lạc với IRS nhưng mà cái đó có thể um, rất là lâu và có thể lấy tới vài tháng của um, quý vị thì mình nên là giữ cái copy khai thuế ở nhà và có thể liên lạc với những người um, accountant đã khai thuế cho quý vị để um, lấy được cái um, tax, tax return của mình. Alright. We already touched on this a bit, but from the moment that you meet with a client and you get those uh, pay stubs and tax returns, how long does it take to then file for bankruptcy and then for the bankruptcy to be discharged? Yeah, so once I set up that, that initial meeting to file the case, it takes about an hour to go through the actual bankruptcy petition, fill it out, um, and then uh, have my client sign everything and then file the case. And do they have to, is that an ink signature that's required? So because of COVID, they're accepting electronic signatures, but in the past, it, it, they didn't accept that, um, which is very convenient now for, for everybody. I hope that doesn't change either. Um, and in terms of how long the bankruptcy actually lasts, a Chapter 7 case will last about four to six months, more, more towards the six-month period. Um, and a Chapter 13 is three to five years. 
three to five years. So you're saying it's about an hour to meet with you, file, um, sign. Chapter seven is about four to six months, the entire process. And then chapter 13 is about um, three to five years. Okay. Yeah, quý vị câu hỏi là quá trình nộp đơn um, xin phá sản từ đầu đến cuối khoảng bao nhiêu lâu? Thì câu trả lời là khi mà mình gặp với luật sư, um, bây giờ là trên Zoom, nên khoảng chừng một tiếng và sau đó mình sẽ ký giấy là e-signature luôn là mình ký giấy online luôn, không cần um, gặp mặt luật sư. Và chapter 7 thì là từ 4 tới 6 tháng và chapter 13 là từ 3 tới 5 năm cái process. Yeah. All right. And um, my question is how has COVID impacted your practice and filing for bankruptcy in general. I know you touched base on it a little bit, but... Yeah, so, like I said, now nowadays we do everything virtually. Okay. And, and that's really how um, my firm has, has changed things, and it, it's worked out great so far. Um, Pre-COVID, everyone would have to come to the office, sign off on documents, and, and print stuff out, uh, drive to the office, and everything like that, which took a little bit of took a little bit more time. Yeah. Do your clients prefer this this method of Zoom and phone calls? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, câu hỏi là COVID đã ảnh hưởng quá trình nộp đơn phá sản như thế nào? Thì uh, luật sư trả lời là um, thực sự là bây giờ mình làm mọi thứ trên Zoom và online nên rất là tiện cho quý vị và những người nộp đơn mình không cần phải uh, nghỉ làm và vô văn phòng, mình có thể làm mọi thứ online và uh, nó sẽ nhanh và dễ hơn. And while we're talking about COVID, have bankruptcy filings gone up or down? Way down. Why is that? Uh, my suspicion, and I've talked to a lot of bankruptcy attorneys about this, is because with all these COVID restrictions, people, creditors aren't able to actually collect on debt, a lot of creditors at least. So for instance, if you haven't been paying your mortgage or haven't been paying rent, they can't kick you out of your house. Um, and additionally, if you're on unemployment, creditors can't garnish unemployment. So right now, people aren't really feeling the pressure to do something because creditors aren't able to actually take action against them. And unfortunately, I think that once all this stuff is lifted, that's going to change dramatically. I think people are all of a sudden going to be getting sued more. They're going to face evictions. Their houses are going to go into foreclosure. And um, there, there's probably going to be a, a dramatic increase in bankruptcies. And I think they keep extending the moratorium, right, on they, eviction they, I can't even keep up with it. I mean, <laughs> honestly, they, they keep extending it and changing things. So, Do you know now when the cutoff is? I, I, I don't. I knew what it used to be. Now I'm not sure. Is that on a local or federal level? These um... Federal and, and state. Okay, so they... It's separate, though. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so you can't uh, initiate foreclosure proceedings. You can't evict people. And then there's also uh, unemployment and then additional stimulus money for COVID. And so you're right. The, I feel like in the past when people would contact us and we would refer them out um, to bankruptcy attorneys, there was a massive sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. Like, I just got served with a garnishment notice. Yeah, exactly. Or I just got served with foreclosure proceedings. I'm gonna, you know, and they had to act immediately. Right. Where maybe some of that sense of urgency is not around anymore. Yeah, there is none. <laughs> but I says <laughs> people, you know, and and it's gonna happen, and it's gonna happen quickly once all this stuff is lifted, and it's gonna it's gonna be pretty bad. So, is there any advice you would give to those who are? because of COVID kind of putting off, you know, um, 
reviewing their debt or their credit I, report? I would say get ahead of the game. Okay. Because do you think the courts will be like backlogged once? Oh yeah. Yeah. Courts will be backlogged. So it'll um, take longer for the bankruptcy to be discharged. Um, yes, it, it'll definitely take longer for like a Chapter Seven case to get discharged. Um, but yeah, I think I think you should just get ahead of the game now, rather than put it off and, and then have it hit you at once, just for your own peace of mind too. So you're saying they should probably prepare and, and know what's going on with their debt. And when this is, do you can do you recommend they file bankruptcy now or wait until all of this kind of blows over and it, then consider? I mean, it, it really depends on, on everyone's different situation. But I would say that if, if you're racking up a lot of credit card debt or, or unsecured debt, and um, you should go ahead and, and file and get rid of it now and, and start to rebuild, get that fresh start and start to rebuild your credit sooner than later. Okay. Yeah, so quý vị, um, mình hỏi luật sư là khi mà COVID và mọi thứ um, xảy ra thì thấy là người ta có file bankruptcy hoặc là phá sản uh, nhiều hơn hay là ít hơn thì câu trả lời là người ta bây giờ đang file rất là ít tại vì um, Uh, COVID làm cho những người đòi nợ và những người collector người ta không có um, collect được hoặc là nếu mà mình có nhận tiền unemployment thì nhà nước không có lấy hoặc là những người đòi nợ không có lấy cái số tiền ra khỏi unemployment được nên um, số người mà file bankruptcy nó bây giờ ít hơn nhưng sau khi những cái um, policy của COVID um, xong đi và mình um, trở lại bình thường thì những người đòi nợ và collector hoặc là um, số tiền về nhà của mình nó có thể catch up nên luật sư khuyên là mình check credit nên coi là mình có nợ nhiều hay không và nên giải quyết sớm hơn um, yeah. So as we come to uh, conclusion of the show is uh, any advice you could give the viewers who are having financial issues, contemplating bankruptcy, trying to figure out, you know, what to do. What, what advice would you have for people? I, I'd say call me. I mean, <laughs> get, they'll get a, a free consultation and I don't push people into filing cases by any means. What I do is I, I look at their, their total totality of circumstances. I say, listen, you, you don't have too much debt. You're okay. Try doing this. Try with parking tickets. I see a lot of parking ticket issues. Try working something out with the city. They have a lot of new programs now to repay that kind of stuff and get on a payment plan. Don't jump and file bankruptcy just because you have a few parking ticket debt issues. Uh, same with credit cards. There are some debt consolidation companies. You can try and, uh, try and contact one of them and see what they have to offer. Um, but yeah, that, that's the advice I would give is honestly just talk to a bankruptcy attorney and just see what they have to say and what kind of advice they would give you. Got it. And I think that's important that we haven't talked about is you do offer free consultations. Of course. Okay. And I'm sure people contact you all the time saying, hey, I've got a messy financial situation. Here's all the things going on. And just like you said, they may be a candidate for bankruptcy or they may be a candidate for some alternative. Right. Okay. Fair enough. So even if they don't proceed with file bankruptcy with you, is it a still free consultation for them? Or of course. Fees? Of course. Okay. Yeah. No, no fees. You know, I, I'll, any, anyone can call me and I'll Give them a consultation. Okay, sounds good. Sounds like a sweet deal. Let me just translate here real quick and then we'll wrap up. So quý vị câu hỏi là um, có những lời khuyên gì không uh, đối với những quý vị mà đang suy nghĩ về um, file um, phá sản thì luật sư trả lời là nên gọi luật sư um, gọi ảnh hoặc là một người luật sư nào có thể um, 
advice mình về cái chuyện là mình file phá sản thì luật sư uh, Mike ở đây là ảnh offer free consultation có nghĩa là sẽ không tính tiền quý vị um, để coi là quý vị có qualify để um, mình nộp đơn phá sản hay không thì uh, đó là câu hỏi cuối cùng và hôm nay chương trình mình sẽ kết thúc um, để uh, Jessica chào uh, những guest của mình và quý vị luôn So thank you for coming on the show and speaking with us today about bankruptcy. I appreciate having you here. And again, it's very nice to see you, Mike and Taylor. Um, uh, it's been great talking to you guys. Yes, thanks for having thank us. You. Yeah, thanks for having us on.